All right, I'm with you again. This is Antonio, Antonio the Mayor, D-A-M-A-Y-O-R. You can find me on Anchor FM. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on YouTube. Anywhere you find me, like it, subscribe. Dislike it if you don't, but subscribe. That way I know that you've been there and you're listening. I know that someone is listening. It's pretty anonymous. No one knows that you said thumbs down. No one knows that you said thumbs up unless you tell me. So just leave it there for me. This is to help me, not to hurt me. And on YouTube, when you subscribe, make sure you leave me a message down at the bottom and say, hey, uh, I like the show or whatever you want to say. If you want to be an upcoming guest, all you have to do is send me a message at BigDog0862 at me.com. Just send me a message at BigDog0862 at me.com. I also have a number that you can call in on. It's 785-307-4662. That's 785-307-4662. And you can call me there. You can leave a message or you can call and maybe I'll be there to talk to you or something like that. That way you can let me know if you want to be an upcoming guest, if you have a story to tell. This is all about experience, strength, and hope. What experience have you went through in your life? How did you gather strength and where's your hope right now? Where are you going with it? You know, where are you taking this right now? Where's your future? We don't want to live too much in the past. We want to look at the future as better things. I know a lot of things have happened to us in the past year or two, but hey, Let's look forward and see what God has planned for us. See what our things are going to be there waiting for us in the future. Say I gotta take all of the bad with good. I know what hood where you get pop just for popping the hood. I know some guys nobody gets just so misunderstood. I know a place where we can go where they be wishing you would. Take the good with the bad, right with the wrong. I know some guys make one decision, they ain't coming back home. Got them lost. Just listen and learn, just listen and learn. Listen to the music for just a minute. This is Big Bezo. Big Bezo, also known as Christopher Barber. And he's going to be our guest today. Bad with the good. And this is Big Bezo, Chris Barber, who's going to be my guest today. He is an Army veteran. Army veteran. U.S. Army veteran. He is a disabled veteran of the United States Army. He fought in the Gulf War. He fought in Iraq. He's been in the military for quite a long time. He's out now. He's been out for a while now. He is a survivor of the Gulf War. A lot of people didn't make it back, but he did make it back. I want you to listen to him. Listen to him good. As we end the BIPOC month of minority mental health, the Black Indigenous People of Color Awareness Month for Mental Health, we're going to end it with Chris Barber, who's the voice that you hear right now. And he's going to be coming to you next with me live on the podcast to talk about his experience with mental health his experience in the gulf war and growing up in the state of mississippi so listen good and listen well thank you very much my name is antonio Timms, antonio the mayor and today i have with me a good friend who i've been knowing since 2013 He's in a relationship with my daughter and uh, treats her well and treats his family well. 
and a very goal-oriented person, but I'll let him tell you more about all these things. His name is Chris Barber, and I want to introduce you to Chris Barber. How you doing, Chris? Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Just pretty hot here today. Another 90-degree day, 97 right now, and it's uh, late in the evening, but we can handle it. That's better than two or three feet of snow for me. Just stay inside. So... Um, I know you want to talk about a few things, Chris. Did you want to just start off telling a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Well, like you said, my name's Chris, and um, I'm born and raised in Macon, Mississippi. Um, I have two brothers, one sister, pretty much a Southern boy, um, mm-hmm. a military veteran, music major. Okay. Now, I hear somebody else saying something. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so, w- what part of Mississippi was it again? Um, small Macon, Mississippi is in um, central Mississippi, right there in the middle, um, probably mm-hmm. 45 minutes north of um, Meridian. Okay. And about how big and how many people? I know it. the, the population has um, increased significantly since I left. I left mm-hmm. um, 2006. Mm-hmm. I joined the military back in 2006. And, you know, I've been going back and forth there, but I stayed there since 06. Yeah, I think the population is around 3,000 since they did the last census. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what was it like growing up there? Well, pretty much I went to an all-black school, mm-hmm. um, black community, uh, community, really segregated. You know, the blacks stayed on one side of town, white people stayed on the other side. And um, a lot of the things that, you know, people hear about the state is pretty true as far as like, you know, the racism, discrimination, um, lack of opportunity, like that, just being a you know young black male is extremely hard down there to try to make it um, mm-hmm. the, the crab in the bucket effect is is in full effect down there where you know everybody seems like you know i wouldn't say haters or nothing like that but it's more like you know you know it's like they try to hold each other down and it's it's real hard to make it out there if you can make it there you can make it did you Leave there, right? Like at 18, 19, join the military, or you were there for a while? I was there for a while. I was 23 when I joined the military. Okay. Yeah, had a few jobs here and there. Um, found out that like, regular work, usually the type of um, jobs down there that hire is more like um, like a fish fish processing plant, um, chicken processing plant. Okay. Uh, work. That's some I serious work, work then, ain't it? Yeah, pretty hard, little pay. You you said something else, too. Um, when you talked about it being, you were, I went to all-black school, you know, like me, or all-black neighborhood. I mean, mm-hmm. believe it or not, that's exactly the way Chicago is or mm-hmm. was for me when I grew up, even though it was a major city of millions and millions of people. The Italians stayed together. The Polish stayed in their neighborhood. The uh, blacks, Hispanics. All of them. When you say Spanish, you had Puerto Rican there, you had Mexican mm-hmm. areas, you know, you had all these areas, but no one really uh, went to anyone else's area that much, you know. With the, the time that I remember seeing, you know, everyone, you know, like different races and a lot of different races when I would go downtown to the movies. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people moved from Mississippi because of the uh, segregation and everything. 
but they got up north and faced the same thing. It was, I mean, it yeah. was different. I can't say uh, it was the same thing and it wasn't better because I wasn't there then. Then, and I, and I know nothing can be as bad as being discriminated as in places like Mississippi, Louisiana, and Georgia. You know, during those times. So, uh, but a lot of us faced the same things that were placed in um, these urban developments that they have, but they called them back then. Uh, well, housing projects, you know, so it was kind of hard on hard on them, too. So, OK, so you you did the military and everything like that and grew up in anything. What do you want to tell me anything about you growing up and how it was uh, um, in Mississippi and and how you wound up in the military? And that way yeah. we can segue into other things, too. Yeah, well, I know um, as, a, as, a, as a young when I was a young boy growing up. Um, even just going to school, it was division within the black people too. Not only was it like division amongst blacks and white, it was the um, division within the black people. Meaning, if you came from a certain neighborhood, you didn't get the opportunities as the other black kids. Um, pretty much, families who were a little bit more well off than others, their kids got the opportunities. Like. Um, I, I can remember one time where I was um, trying to get a job at a grocery store and because I'm from like downtown, the downtown area was considered like mostly the bad, um, bad area. They call it bad and they wouldn't give you opportunities. You couldn't mm -hmm. even play sports in school just because of being from that area. You know, they didn't wow. even give you a, to get to know the person or nothing. They just mm -hmm. label you on where you're from so it's kind of like you were you were not even given the opportunity to try to succeed based on where you're from or who you were related to i was talking with a young lady yesterday uh did a podcast with um two days ago and she said that one of her greatest enemies were her own people you know yeah. family friends you know were her own people that were against her and pulling it down you know how we are we can get we hate to see somebody moving forward sometimes and you know yeah. i don't know but you're right you're right about that and it's like you know not given the proper amount of time um if that even you know if there even is a proper amount of time to heal you know as black people being held down for so long and put through those type of situations mm -hmm. and not shown the proper way to heal you know it, it get passed down yeah. from general to generation and i definitely feel a lot of that within me like like seriously but i mean and you're a black man so it was yeah. taught to us that we didn't talk about these things you know we didn't yeah. talk about a lot of things you know we if, if someone was getting beat in their house or someone had mental problems or someone had any type of problem we did not talk about it outside of each other you know people ask me this all the time about how why African American, black or BIPOC, whatever you want to call us, don't mm -hmm. trust a lot of people or trust a lot of things. But it was I mean, who could we trust? We were we were taught not to trust. On that subject, okay, let's let's talk about this uh depression and anxiety a little bit. I don't know. I I know you did um you were in the military. Did you go overseas any Afghanistan, Iraq or any of that? Yeah, I went to, I went to Iraq in uh, two thousand eight mm -hmm. in a year. Well, that's over there. And what was that like? Well, the area where we were, um, it was Talia, Talia, Iraq. And it was pretty much, I would say, lukewarm. It wasn't cold. It wasn't hot as far as, like, you know, the um, type of transactions that went on there. You know, it had the day. They, 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 it, 
it had its days where some days, you know, it was quiet. Some days we got rocketed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say just the environment alone was so hard because you're talking about 120 degrees days with all that hot gear on, which adds about, you know, adds um, uh, a large amount of of heat to you. Just, you know, long sleeves with the, you know, with the helmet and the vest and all that stuff on. So it was real hot, just extremely hot and dry over there. And then you take, um, you can go from 120 degrees in the daytime to like 70 to 80 degrees at night which is such a drastic drop to your body can't adjust as fast. So it was, it was, it was pretty tough. It was, it was real tough. Okay. Um, I asked that because of, uh, I know the beginning of, uh, the first Gulf War, the first part after nine 11. Mm-hmm. And so many people that had to participate in different ways in these things. And, and at the time when you're over there, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you don't you 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 don't have room for anxiety and depression. Those no, things are not hitting you then when you got a when you're on a mission. You're taking care of business. I mean, I know some experience it, but it's not something that you're going to openly go to your first sergeant or your CO and something like, hey, I need to go see somebody today. No, nah, you don't really have time for that because you know you're 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 judged based on you know, the way you react and the and the way that you um carry on. So you don't have time much time for self check or if you feel like you need someone to talk to, then you're kinda like frowned upon. You know, they say all this stuff about um if you need to talk to someone or if you ever in a situation to where you feel like you can't deal with it, then let us know. But the moment you do that, then you're looked at as weak or you can't handle it or, you know, and you're judged and you're treated as such, like where, you know, they may they may remove you from the mission, but they're going to have you doing something that you absolutely hate based on yeah. the way that you handled that situation. You don't have time for self-check to make sure that you're okay. You don't have much time for that. Yeah, I know. So considering that, when all that's taking place, whether it's a 90 day, two years or a year, you know, in this combat zone or in this uh, area, or it may not be uh, constantly uh, critical. I mean, things happening. But mm-hmm. when you are back here, what happened? What do you think happened? I mean, to you, you had friends and everything to where they're not around that anymore. What happens mm-hmm. then? Once you come back, then they um they, they they take you through all these classes to they say um re reintegration classes to basically mm-hmm. try to calm you down, get you back um to the mindset that hey you're not in war no more and um you know you can pretty much put it in cruise control a, a little bit. But the way that the mind operates, it, it's like it's it's not like your feelings is not a switch. You can't turn them on and off. If you've been doing this for 12 months or either, you know, some people 15 months, um, it takes a little bit longer to get back to. Honestly, I don't think you will ever be the same person that you were when you went over there because I know that I wasn't. I came back and I was angry sometimes for no reason. 
just didn't have any tolerance for any type of nonsense at all. Just always serious because that's how I was for 12 months. Always serious, ready for whatever is, is, is thrown my way. It's like when you're in the military, you're trying so much to be perfect. You're trying so hard to be perfect. You got to be here on time. You got to be a certain way. And there's like no room for mistakes till it messes you up when you get out or when you get back from combat because you can't relax. You're always, even when you have like a, just a regular appointment to go see a doctor, you're rushing to get there on time. Mm -hmm. If you're running late, then your, your whole life is falling apart. Uh, if something don't go your way, you just can't handle the situation because you're trained to be perfect in an imperfect world. You know, I don't think a lot of people understand that, and not just for someone who's been in combat, but uh, anyone that deals with anxiety or depression, especially this this part right now on anxiety. You uh, hit off on something that if you're late for something or if you plan for something, it don't go exactly that way. Uh, mm -hmm. What happens to us? You know what I'm saying? Something happens. Something takes place because yeah. it's like that one little thing causes everything else to fall apart. Like you feel that it's gonna fall apart. Mm -hmm. And that's the part. I mean, we face that. A lot of us face it, and we got we don't we fail to admit it throughout the years to these things that happen. You know, we forget what's happening. That the, it's other things that's happening uh, that we need professional help with. You're right about that. We, you know, it's um when it comes to mental health and just you know dealing with the mind and you know trying to get ourselves some trying to um trying to get in a um basically trying to put our mind at ease is I feel like I don't me personally I know I have to go see somebody I have to mm -hmm. talk to someone because I don't have the power to you know I, I just don't have the experience. Or, or the power to, you know, turn it, turn it off, like, like to, you know, relax and stuff. And these people are trained to do that. Right. But like you said, like, even like in the black neighborhood, it's kind of like um, frowned upon. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you see someone like even back in the day, probably like when you was younger or something, you see someone who had like mental issues or just, you know, just been through too much then you know the stigma that oh he's crazy right we'll just, say he crazy or something yeah frowned upon and we just not i guess we're not comfortable dealing with those type of situations or admitting that hey there's something wrong i need to go see something and you know the thing that you said it's not just the black you know like the neighborhood and stuff like that that's it starts within the family you know the family are usually the ones that think that hey you tell them say like uncle so-and-so he ain't got it all he need to you know let him stay in the room uh all his life you know and uh mm -hmm. we'll take care of him and get 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 money for him or something you know but don't yeah. want to trust uh now it, 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 we do have problems it's, it's the reasons why we don't trust health care you know as african-american people and you know uh, and it's the reason why we don't have some of us don't have health care. You know, it could be because of the poverty. But yeah. uh, we don't want to hear someone else say bipolar or manic yeah. depression, however they used to say it, and uh, you know, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, or PTSD. 
You don't you don't want to hear now PTSD is one to becoming more regular. You know now sometimes yeah. everybody you turn around and say that I like you know you make a joke about having PTSD, but they don't know what it is when somebody really has the experience of PTSD from where they get triggered by different things. They don't understand bipolar where you may be on a mountaintop for three or four days and then you're in a valley for a week or so. You know you're just fighting back and forth up and down. So let me ask you a question. What with the um, anxiety and stuff like that, what type of things, other things have you experienced and what type of coping skills that you had to use uh, for yourself? Yeah. With my, with my situation, um, I have like panic attacks, like Mm -hmm. where, and there's like, there's no, like there for mine, there, there, there's no warning, warning signs or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just my very first one I had, I think it was um, November of 2020. Um, I was, um, Kim was at, she was at Walmart okay. and I was at home and I'm sitting on the back and next thing you know, I just get this weird feeling just coming over me, just, just comes over me real quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing I stood up and I'm, I'm fighting for my breath all of a sudden. I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm, you know, my mind telling me I can't breathe. So I'm just taking deep breaths. My heart started racing real fast, like mm-hmm. rapid heartbeats. And um, my, my mind is just all over the place. I'm scared. Um, don't know what to do because I've never been in any type of situation like this. It just took me to a place I've never been before. And I called Kim and I was like, you need to hurry up and come back. Something's wrong with me. I don't know what's going on. but And I'm studying like gasping for air like I can't breathe. But the whole time it's just my mind like kind of like playing tricks on me. That was the very first time I had the anxiety attack. And um, the second time I was at work at the VA and uh, I found out that um, certain things trigger, trigger it through that because I was eating real greasy food. I was eating mm-hmm. like some onion rings and some real greasy chicken wings at the same time. Mm-hmm. I get finished eating and I start to walk back up towards where I work at. I get down this long hall and the same thing hit me. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, I'm fighting for my breath. My heart starts speeding up. My head started feeling real funny. So I get back to where I work at and I told the nurse, I was like, man, I, something ain't right. I think I need to, honestly, I thought I was, um, I thought I was, um, I thought I was having a, like COVID. Like I thought it was mm-hmm. like COVID. I was like, man, I think I need to go get tested for COVID. Cause I just had like an episode of something. I don't know what's going right. on. So they checked my blood pressure. Blood pressure had went up and everything. And once I told the nurse what, what all happened, she was like, you had a panic attack. Right. And it's my second time having it. So mine, they just come on like with no warnings or nothing. But I, I did a little bit of research. I found out like sugar, um, caffeine, like mm-hmm. real greasy food and stuff like that. And also the lack of sleep can right. trigger it to- you know, to cause you to have like panic and anxiety attack. I just get like real anxious, just fighting for my breath. Um, heart speeds up, my head be kind of like spinning, and my mind be racing. And that's that's pretty much what I go through. Um, I go to the and um, I talk to a doctor, talk to a psychiatrist, and um, he basically um, give me like he gave me this app that I use to calm me down and stuff. Okay. So, controls um they always try to give you medication but uh-huh. i've been not time. I don't so you haven't taken the medication no at mm-hmm. all they give it to me 
Because some, yeah. I mean, some people do. Some people can use the, you know, especially not the um, just the daily medication, but uh, some that take it. You know, you can take some. I know one of them is lorazepam uh, for mm-hmm. the moment that you're having that attack. You understand what I mean? That you know, mm-hmm. some people would have the moment because I, I, I mean, I've had panic attacks, and one thing that you cannot explain. Is the feeling, you know, I've, I've listened to you try to explain it, and I would kind of say, yep, 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 you know, and that people do not know that certain foods can uh, trigger that. It does. Yeah, the way your does. body is metabolizing it, you know, some of these things, you know, it could trigger that, you know, and it's the, that feeling of thinking that you can't, even though you're breathing, you think you're not breathing. You think your heart is beating a thousand miles an hour, you know, um, no control of your body and the feeling of hopelessness. And I don't know if you know about the hopelessness part that like, this is it. This is the end. This is gone. You know? Yeah. Especially when you, when it's happening, like the moment that you're actually just going through it, you're like, man, I I, I just know it's a feeling that I wouldn't wish on my, I wouldn't wish it on my enemy because it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just something that's just, it just, like you say, it just takes over. Yeah. Now that's the that's the uh, panic part of it. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. that that other part that when we get to the depression, that's a whole another ball game, you know, um, because it, it involves so much. Then you know because uh, you can tell people I'm having a panic attack, I'm anxiety. They might say, "Oh, okay, well you're gonna be all mm-hmm. right. Just calm down." But when you tell somebody that I'm depressed, I feel worthless. I don't even want to yeah. be here. That's when the red flags go off, and everybody else is here. You're right. I've I've had those moments where I've been. I just feel like, man, um, I was going through where I had to go to the um, I had to go to the hospital one uh-huh. time because I didn't know it, but my blood pressure was up like like probably like three four days. Like it never did go down, and I just felt awful. Just felt bad. I was like, man, it's just it just feel like it ain't gonna get no better. But I didn't know. When I was when I felt hopeless, I didn't know what it was. That's mm-hmm. what had me feeling like, man. I, I don't know if I can get through this or not because I didn't know what it was. But the, when I went to the doctor and they, you know they checked my blood pressure, heart rate was up yeah. a little bit, and um, they put me on high blood pressure medication and stuff. And probably like after a little while, three four days, I, I you know I became better, stuff like that. But during the time that I didn't know what it was, it was like, man, I, I don't think this is going to, you know, get better. So it puts you in that hopeless state. That's it. And that feeling, uh, I, I know the <laughs> feeling well, you know. Thank God for, you know, people explaining it to you and family and loved ones, but sometimes they don't understand, you know. Um, mm-hmm. the, the sor- I mean, you can be sitting around, watching TV or doing something, working in the garage or outside morning line, and that feeling just hits you for no reason at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. people always think is that you uh, you start thinking about something really sad or anything like that, but it's not uh, It's not because always you start thinking about something sad. You know, it's mm. just just happened from nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It just comes from nowhere, you know. And I'm glad that I've learned different types of coping skills or different types of skills to help me not just change my way of thinking, but to help pull myself up out of this. Yeah, definitely. Because without those, you know, without without having those um, skills or developing those skills or, you know, having someone teach it to you, Mm -hmm. um, I honestly don't know where I would be if I didn't have that. I know what you mean. 
Because, I mean, we most people try to self-medicate. And one thing we found out through years, the doctors would tell you, but we still think different is that, like, uh, alcohol, if you're depressed, just have a few drinks. But the alcohol is mm-hmm. depressing, too. So it makes you... It- more depressed, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it makes it worse. It makes you really happy for a few minutes, and then the depression. It may not come until the next day or later that evening, but then that feeling of worthlessness it comes back. So, what yeah, one thing we you you mentioned first? You know, uh, I think you mentioned the, the VA and everything like that. I, I hear a lot of people struggling. I mean, you know, you hear some people brag about how much percent they're getting but it's a lot of it took them a long time to get that way it took them yeah. a long time to get where they are today and, and some that just refuse to take it at all because they get frustrated you know i know you got to go through a three i ain't gonna see even three that might have been about 13 page applications and uh, mm-hmm. questionnaires and the questionnaires they send you and then they send out another questionnaire that's the same as the last questionnaire you keep yeah. filling out the same things over and over again it's almost like a thing to set up to help you say no and quit you know and you yeah. get those no's you get those no's and they tell you you got a year to reapply or something like that but that 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 process is kind of uh, hard did, uh, did that weigh you down sometime or did it yeah it's um the I think it's designed like that by on purpose, mm-hmm. and it's it's really re- really repetitive. The same mm-hmm. things, asking you the same questions in different ways. Though you know they rewording it, but basically the same thing. And for a person who's actually going through like depression, anxiety, and you don't really have like you don't you don't really want to deal with that type of stuff. You know, that's why a lot of people, they'll pay someone else to do their paperwork for them mm-hmm. or something like that. Because it's, it really, it really irritates you. Like yeah. it really, and some people just really, they really don't have the ability to get through it. Right. They just don't. Well, Chris, you know, the name of this program is Experience, Strength, and Hope. So where where's, where's the hope? You know, because people, a lot of time we've been through, and I, and I can probably explain some of that, but I won't take up your time <laughs> but mm-hmm. the experience that we've had went through in the past and the strength we gain it and now we have hope or what hope do we have or what hope do you have or what hope does someone else have you know by the uh things you know by uh a person that has bipolar or depression or anxiety ptsd some people may think they're gonna have to be down and out or messed up the rest of their life they can still, it's a way that they can balance this, and it's, it's, it's the way that we can live with this thing. It's like we live with diabetes, and we live yeah. with uh, heart problems, we live with gout or whatever else. We can learn yeah. to live with this, you know, with any amount of problem. So, yeah. so what do you think? What, what, what's the hope for us now? I think, um, I think the hope is um, for them to just know that they're not the only one dealing with that. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have someone who understands your situation. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many programs and organizations out there for people who are dealing with, you know, pretty much any problem you name, there's something, there's some type of help. Um, I feel like as black people, we have to put our pride aside yes. and go it, because at the end of the day, it's all about trying to make yourself feel better 
who cares what anyone else thinks about, okay, they can say you're crazy or they can say, you know, whatever about you. It's all the, the, the ultimate goal should be to try to get help so that you can feel better. So it's always good to be around positive people, you know, um, people that understand your situation and just, I know just dealing with this stuff myself, it, 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 it feels good to know that someone cares, you know, so I have somebody that got my back and when I'm, when I'm not feeling my best or when I'm going through something, I have someone to talk to explain my situation. And also I feel like a lot of my, a lot of my anxiety was passed down from my mom, you know, and I know that she she dealt with a lot and, um, you know, from abuse also. She had an abusive husband. Yeah. Uh, he did all types of things to her. And um, I was the last child she had. I'm the baby. So I felt like I caught the bulk of all of her problems as okay. far as, like, press. And never, my mom never went to talk to any. She never... You know, she never discussed her situation or what she was going through. She just held all that in, and eventually it got the best of her. It's a pressure bust pipe, but mm-hmm. that pressure really did bust her. Like, it really did. And I feel like if she had got help or had someone who understood her situation and to help her get through her situation, it would have... my. I feel like my stress and stuff with anxiety wouldn't be so bad. So I'm saying that to say that if there's someone that's out there dealing with that type of um, you know, woman or man, it doesn't matter um, to please go get help because it not only affects you, it affects your family. It affects your offsprings. It, it, you know, it, it has an impact on everyone that's involved with you. Wow. That's good. That's good stuff, Chris. You really hit on it because, you know, one that you said, like, we got to move past, you know, as move past shame and stigma, you know, move past the fact that you got to admit to someone that you have a problem. And then, you know, n- not being reluctant to ask for help, you know, because I think that's the one of the bigger things too. the we so strong or want to be strong. And that, yeah. sometimes it's reluctant. It may be embarrassment, too. You know, that you don't want to tell someone uh, that you need help. I could tell I tell my wife some of the things that go on with me and I know she don't understand them, but Mm -hmm. she's there to help, you know. But I could talk to someone else with the same problem of being close to the same problem and they understand it. That makes me feel good. So it's good to have, you know, different strengths in different areas and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I could talk my wife's ears off about it, but she's not going to understand it. So you have to like you said, you have to find someone you know, seek out some help, you know, to 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 talk to. And that one, we can't be too embarrassed. And I, I think well, uh, as a people, we are getting uh, better at this, is saying that I see a therapist. I see a psychiatrist. My psychiatrist said this, to not be embarrassed about it. And I think the more we talk about it, the more someone else can receive help, you know, instead of, I mean, I grew up in neighborhoods where men lived on the street. Women lived on the street, walked around, walk around talking to themselves. And mm-hmm. what did we say? They was crazy. They was crazy. a drunk. Yeah. They out there because they're crazy. But to see them walking around talking to themselves and uh, having a different personality, you know. So I grew up seeing that and l- people laughing at it and laughing at thinking it was funny, you know, throwing rocks at them and stuff, not knowing what that person is going through. Today, we have 
uh, uh, we are more acceptable of people with these problems. You know, mm-hmm. if we could teach law enforcement more about it, you know, when they go to deal with people with problems like that, then we'll be we'll be on the one. And I think slowly but surely, we are t- trying to teach law enforcement to to accept um, to learn about our mental health of mental mentally ill community out there. So, uh, man, I thank you, Chris. I thank you. Did feel like we, you know, we. I feel like we hit on hit on. I just want to say, I just want to say one more thing. Okay, go ahead. Um, to the people that are not, you know, you know, are not dealing with it, the, uh, just try to be understanding to, do- to those who are. And um, a lot of times, even if you don't understand the situation, it's very helpful. Um, it's very helpful to just listen. A lot of times, we only we only need you to just listen, That's even fine. if you don't understand the situation. Just um, just listen and, and that'll you know that'll make it easier on the person i, I have something else that i want to ask you okay i just want to ask you um you know um me and kim uh, we've been together for a long time and um i just want to ask you for her hand in marriage what <laughs> of course of course yes you're a good son-in-law you'd be good you already been like a son-in-law even though it's not legally yes yeah. Pretty much, we just want to go ahead on and make it official, you know. Oh yeah, I would love that. It means a lot to me mm-hmm. to get your blessing. Yeah, you got my blessing, bro. You oh. know that. Yeah, Kim, you still there? I'm here. Okay. Uh yes, that, of course. I'm. I'm really happy for both of you guys. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm glad that you tuned in today to listen and listen from the beginning to the end. And I appreciate that. Now, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at BigDog0862 at me.com. BigDog0862 at me.com. That's my email address. You can also reach me by phone at 785-307-307. 4662. You can leave a message there. You can reach me on the internet. Just type my name into any search engine, any search engine. And the way you do that is just type in Antonio the Mayor Timms. Antonio the Mayor Timms. Most of all, appreciate when you listen on YouTube because you can leave a message there. You can leave a thumbs up or a thumb down. You can leave a like or dislike. You can leave a comment, but most of all, you can subscribe. So please, Continue to listen to me and continue to support this show that focuses on experience, strength, and your hope. Thank you. Have a good day. Be blessed. Be nice. But be real most of all.